Go beyond the superficial. Go beyond the noise. And Hype delivers business knowledge gained from developing and manufacturing hundreds of products. Working with high-growth entrepreneurs from all over the world. Focus skills and passion into innovative ideas. Take control. Become the engineer of your own life. Transform product ideas into business realities. This is And Hype. Transform product ideas into business realities. My name is Callie Keen, and this is End Hype. Are you ready for three massive product development startup takeaways? Some key insights from our live stream last week. If you're not checking out the live stream Thursdays at 5 p.m., unless it's a holiday like Thanksgiving, we're recording the day before Thanksgiving. We do it every single Thursday, and I talk about a specific problem, obstacle, challenge that you're having, or I bring on a friend, an expert, to answer that question. So these have been pretty popular. I'm, I'm really excited about them. I love going live. I'd always prefer to talk off the top of my head versus spending time putting it together, but after we talk, my... My little wheels are turning. My little lizard brain keeps going, and I think, man, Dan said this, and it it just keys me into a next level and a next level and a next level information of thoughts. So what we're going to do when we talk to somebody like we did last week when we talked to Dan or Kelly or any of the guests that we're bringing on, I'm going to circle back, and we'll bring some lessons, and I'll add my uh, my thoughts to it just so I can kind of express what I got out of it. I think there was a lot of information, a lot of gold there to unpack in that in that talk. But, you know, so if you didn't catch it, please go back um, and check it out. But when uh, when people are first getting started, when somebody wants to get into a new industry or they want to pursue a new idea, it's not a hack. It's not a shortcut, but a really smart thing to do is to become involved. And it's a strategy that I teach to coaching clients in a couple different ways. And one of the most powerful ways is to, to try to, to taste something. So if you're interested in working for startups, for instance, and this is the question that we're solving, what does that look like? How do we learn enough information to then be able to go create our own startup or develop our own product, or build our own product business or do that massive, massive uh, goal, that big thing that you want to do, how do we even get started with that? What does it look like? And um, to break that down, if I wanted to create my own startup, the first thing that I would do is I would go work at a startup. Maybe first thing I would do is actually talk to people that have worked at a startup, and that's what we did last week. We talked to Dan. Because like I see these issues from the outside, being in product development, being in manufacturing, I end up working with a lot of innovative companies or startups, you know, and we can we can question like the terminology of what is a startup versus what is an entrepreneur and what is I don't really care about that. I develop products, I help people build businesses. So it's kind of outside of what I am really concerned about. I'm just concerned with helping people build really cool stuff. And uh, I see the issues that these companies have from the outside. You know, I have a little framework, I have my process, I have my way of interacting with them. So I see, I see the little 
obstacles or the communication issues or the scheduling issues or the financial issues from the outside. But what does it look like working from the inside? What are the good things? What are the bad things? And uh, if we knew that and we knew that in more detail, maybe when you started your business, right, when you left your corporate job or you got out of school or you decided, hey, I just I want to jump in. I want to do this. I want to develop something amazing. You kind of know, well, these are common problems that people have. And these are successful companies and these are why they failed. So that's why we talked to somebody like Dan. And uh, yeah, I want to get into it. I'm going to present three lessons, three talking points that I have from that interview. But uh, first, let's get into a little bit of housekeeping. Super exciting. But make sure that you subscribe, like, do all of those you know, social proof signaling, amazing things for us. If you're watching on YouTube, hey, how's it going? Doesn't my beard look like it's really coming in well? It's amazing. But smash the subscribe button, hit the like button, comment down below, all those things. But more important than all that goofy stuff is share this with a friend. If you watch the live stream or you're listening today on iTunes or Spotify or whatever, write us a review or please share it out. You post it on your Facebook. You post it on your LinkedIn. That's how we draw in more people. And the the uh, the numbers on just the podcasts they're going up. That's what what we were talking about right before recording. And I, I'm excited about that. It means more people are coming back. More people are listening every day. But we've got huge plans for 2021, and this thing's going to blow up. So please share. I, uh, I'm not hawking any products, like I'm not, you know, putting ads out or anything like that. I'm really just reaching out to my network and having people come on the show and answer questions and giving actual real business insights versus uh, a lot of puffery from people that have done nothing in their life. So uh, for end hype to grow, you got to help me out. Meet me halfway. So anyways, let's get into the meat. Let's talk some, uh, let's talk takeaways. So we had some positives and we had some negatives. One of the big positive things that Dan and I talked about that really got me excited about this is like is that startup and small businesses, they accelerate your learning. Right? We meet these highly skilled uh, entrepreneurs, engineers, marketers or whatever. You think like, how do they figure all of this out? I've kind of, I, I, like, I like learning. I like getting paid to learn. And it's one of the reasons that I've aligned my job, the different things that I do with just skill acquisition, with learning. Not really because I have some master plan of monetizing it and pulling it all together in some magical way. Kind of seems to be working out a little, uh, you know, pretty well, but it's mostly because that's what I like. I like doing that, but I also like getting paid to do it. So when uh, I was talking to Dan, that's something that he likes about product development and especially that he liked working with startups is that uh, you're most likely working on newer technology or at least something that doesn't exist. So you have to help that come into existence. But with a small company and a small team, you kind of get, you get uh, to do things that you don't really have experience doing. You have to learn it and execute it on the fly. You, you get job responsibilities that uh, they can't afford to just hire a very specific person for each task that has to get done. They can't afford to hire the big product development consultants. 
they have to develop that talent and they have to build a product that fits the team that they have. So you end up doing a lot of uh, outlying things. You develop yourself very quickly. And I, uh, I don't know, I thought that was really cool. That's very appealing. So if I was a, if I was just getting out of college and I was like, how do I become smarter or more skilled or how do I outpace my peers, right? So maybe I get paid a little bit less now than the people hopping into those, you know, big boy jobs, but a little bit down the road, I'm so much more highly competent than them because I have this diversity of skills. Working in a small business is a fantastic way to do that. So a job is kind of like the unshortcut to to that skill acquisition. But uh, he mentioned something that I hadn't really processed or thought about because I grew up in a small business. I grew up running businesses. But the interactions with the other departments, if you're in a big company, let's say that you're an engineer, I'll pick on engineers, pick on marketing people or whatever, but you're, you're kind of just have your direct report and maybe you, you work on some teams, but you're probably stuck inside of that role. You're a cog in a cog in a cog and your interactions with other departments are going to become from them as outsiders. But in a small business or a startup, there might be three people in the whole company. So everything goes, especially uh, initially, everything goes through product development. Everything goes through marketing. Everything goes through sales. So you get to see what those other jobs look like. And the reason that this is super powerful is that when you start your own company, you might have a background in product development, or you might have a background in marketing, but you will have to develop those skills or at least know what they look like for those other disciplines, right? Everyone, everyone gets involved, right? Somebody is going to have to become the CEO and maybe you're in more of an ops role before, or your, your competency is strictly in marketing, but if you worked in a startup, you would at least see what a CEO does. You would see what those product development roles look like. So as you grow, expand, as you're successful, it's just so much easier to know uh, how to fill those roles. So if you wanted a hack of being able to build a mental model, of like how does a company scale and what are the roles or the types of people, what are the pluses and minuses of having different flavors in different seats, work in a startup, just work in a startup. You will see all the reasons why things work and all the reasons why things fail very quickly. So I thought that was cool. Uh, I, I thought about the skill acquisition thing. I didn't really think about the kind of interdepartmental or interdisciplinary interaction. I just thought about multidisciplinary skill acquisition, but not so much the communication aspect or kind of the insight into those. I thought that was really cool. So that's, that's lesson one is just learning really, really fast, right? Small teams, you have to think quickly. You get to do stuff you wouldn't necessarily get to do in a big company. You get to learn really quick. Uh, so second takeaway is to think in frameworks. Uh, on a meta level, we think about growing businesses through a framework. So Red Blue Collective, we have, we have my little framework for taking ideas into business reality. That makes sense actually the first key pillar in a three pillar system that's like our overarching framework but uh, Dan was talking about product development and how he splits it up and you'll have to go back and listen because he's taking a pragmatic or practical approach to things that you'd see in um, design thinking you know from like IDEO and those other sources but 
how you can plan development. And this really just struck me later because I've worked with so many startups where they push forward. And he mentioned this is it's very easy to just push forward doing stuff and you feel like you're doing the work, but without actually seeing the plan and fitting it to a framework, you're not, you're not actually getting closer to being done. You just, you're just spending time and money with a little bit of planning, like thinking up front and doing some research. We can take tremendous strides over actually working. You feel like you're working by doing something from scratch, but if you just went out to the market and said, wow, there's a product that is 90% of what we want to do, but our core intellectual property makes this thing unique. It makes it super powerful. It makes it something that people want to buy. Why don't I just buy like the three versions of this thing that exists, take it apart, and I can figure out the construction, like how they've achieved different compliance, like how much it weighs, like what are the different constraints? I can figure out so much, and it's not a shortcut. It's actually the right way to do things. It's just that in startups, particularly single-person startups, they focus, they have a, an action bias, which is great, but the action is towards using the skills that they have. So like if they're a salesperson to go out and pitch and sell. They're a technical person is to, to code or to program. Uh, instead of actually looking at this like a framework is that I will do some research, I'll put out some concept, I'll validate this through interactions and prototyping, and like I'll then, you know, acquire acquire some sales investment or whatever your monetary goal is, and then I'll produce a product. I split these up into three easy phases is our concept, our design, and our realization phases. And I've done that for 15 or so years. And um, but everybody breaks this up in their own their own way. And there is a temptation with these split it up and say, well, once I've done this step, I'm never going to go back. Whereas with the tools that we have, and uh, Dan touched on this is he writes for solidsmack.com, which um, we both use a tool called SolidWorks, which is a 3D CAD software. And you can, you can develop your product virtually and kind of naturally allows you to iterate very quickly. But with today's modern tools like printing, or even um, you know easier access to machining, you can make a part, you can make a product and try it. And it's oftentimes way faster to just actually do it and then throw it in the garbage than it is to like belabor it and like keep working and working and working. Until it becomes real, uh, we won't know what it actually fully should be, right? So kind of talked about that in the framework sense is like we, we want to do things and as tests, and then we want to iterate on that. So I'd go back and take that as a, as a listen. Very effective way of thinking about product development, and it's, it's, a, it's a struggle. It's a struggle for a lot of people to want to experiment either in their business or in their product development. They just want to be right. And as entrepreneurs, we have to give ourselves permission to test something and not be fully correct, right? We Creating content, you have to give yourself permission to suck, be, be bad, and get better, right? Picking up any skill, we have to do that. There's no reason why that shouldn't extend to product development as well. Like we have a vague idea of what something should be. It becomes more clear. But once it hits reality, right, once it becomes a physical manifestation of that idea, 
we can learn another another level, like a second order of clarity. And then for us, like on the business level, we know that once once we actually give it to a customer, we get a whole lot more feedback. And that's like our third order clarity, right? So in our framework, you know, I have our ideas, I have our product and our business. And that's really gaining clarity at those those three those three stages. But it's really tempting to just work on stuff and exist in a vacuum. And that's why a lot of companies fail. They spend a lot of money building stuff and then nobody wants it. So and then uh, we kind of danced around a couple of the obstacles that startups face. And seeing this from the inside is kind of a different perspective. And I, I, I liked this because, again, as uh, somebody in product development or as a coach, I, I know these problems, but I know them from the other side of the table. So to see them from the inside, it's kind of, it's, it's a cool insight for me. Um, but money, money is always, it's always an issue, right? It seems like even frugal entrepreneurs are able to run that number down to zero more quickly than they would like to. And physical startups, people making physical products, like the whole process is just, it's just expensive, right? And uh, okay, I've got some hacks help you develop the team and develop the revenue and kind of make that work in a more nonlinear way. But for companies that are these invested startups that are supposed to be building this one specific product, uh, it's always a money issue. You know, there's this push and pull and the value comes in the friction of the CEO or sales people trying to get it to market and the engineers and the product development people trying to make the best product possible. It's not compromise. It's like the friction in between those two things is where the sparks happen, where where something actually great can occur, or it's where it just all grinds up and the company goes right in the toilet. But it seems like money is always the driver. Physical product development is expensive. You know, a, a pretty reasonably priced product might cost a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars to develop, and it's like, how the hell do you get that money? Uh, I hate the idea of pre-revenue, you know, it's all about end hype startups. Like how do you actually get revenue and use that revenue to fund development to make increasingly more ridiculous, amazing products, right? But a lot of the traditional startup uh, model is like blow through a bunch of cash, grow as fast as possible, get investment, grow faster, eventually make a profit. And, um, a lot of the people never get there, right? So they spend all the money on prototyping and promises and they don't account for the actual costs of new product introduction or for production. Um, so like the, I think we, we touched on this in the call is like something that, uh, that I'd see is like they put all the time and money and marketing and push into the prototype only to realize like oh, now you have to have tooling and warehousing and another round of prototyping and compliance tests and all these other things have to happen to get that product to market. You're making this IoT product, like you have to have UL. Like let's do some certification testing. Like we need to do we need to do um, different user testing. We need tooling made for every plastic part. We need you know special fixtures made. We need a quality plan developed. We need logistics plans developed. We need inventory and warehousing. And, you know, like there's so much more to do, but it looks like, hey, this thing, it's, it's like, it's sitting right there. Look, look, it's done. Like ship it. Let's, let's make 10,000 of them. There's so much more work to be done outside 
of just engineering. So like engineering and product development, product development isn't necessarily mean that it's business ready. It might be manufacturing ready. It's not business ready. And like uh, a lot of people, they want to just get to that show so they can show it to customers and then make a bunch of promises and you'll see that gap. Uh, They want to go fast. And this kind of goes back to that framework discussion about iteration is that going fast is usually the slowest thing possible, right? Going according to a plan and having a framework is like the way to go. But they're the big obstacle here, and it, you can see how this is all tied together. The money, they're not, they're not really planning, the going fast. You know, there's all this talk and coming from the survivor bias of big software startups is like, go, go fast and break things. Like, well, we're making physical products. You can't really break things because you'll cause an industrial accident, right? It's more like have a plan, have experience, do things correctly, and things will still go wrong, but they'll go wrong within a predictable band of reliability. Like, hey, this is actually what this process is for. We need to make this better. Let's throw this in the garbage. Let's go to the next thing. But there's this temptation to go go fast, 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 and we're investing more time and more money and more units into something that either nobody wants or doesn't work or et cetera, problems, problems, problems. So a big obstacle that people face, and this is kind of interesting, um, you know, like in a visual sense, is like imagine that what I'm trying to get you to do is solve problems a little bit at a time. So we build a better team. We build better core intellectual property. We build revenue. We build partnerships. And we take these on and it's just one challenge right after the other, whereas the temptation is to go really fast and then make one giant obstacle, one thing that can't be overcome. So it's like the difference between scaling a wall and going up a flight of stairs. Like, can you scale a wall? Yes. Can most people do it? No. Can most people go up a flight of stairs? Yes. Right? That's what they're designed for. So they think that it's faster because they're running on flat ground, but then they just, they literally hit a brick wall. Like they hit a brick wall. They're like, I don't have distribution partners. I don't have a sales channel. I don't have a manufacturing partner. I have no revenue. So nobody will give me investment. Like all these issues. I'm like, well, you basically are at square zero. Whereas somebody that follows the little steps, the baby steps, it looks like they're, that you're farther because you have the thing, but they're farther along because they have the structure. They have the secret. So they have like all the pieces in place and I could really just drop any product idea into their engine and they could make money. They could build revenue. They could grow. So kind of cool lessons there. If you would like to catch it live, I really do recommend checking us out Thursday. It's Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. You know, if you're commuting, you can't do it. Tough, right? If you can just set aside the time, we're answering questions live. We're going to bring on a relationship expert, bringing on another marketing expert, you know, bring on somebody to talk about fulfillment and making white label products. Uh, I want to bring on uh, one of my friends that does Kickstarters. We'll still do Kickstarters and they're really interested in, in it. We'll talk about the landscape between Kickstarter and pre-orders. I think that's very interesting. But just different topics that people reach out to me And you're always welcome to reach out to me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Just hit me up. If you have a question, you know, I might, I might DM you back and answer that question, 
but I'll probably turn it into an episode. We'll do an episode of the show and I'll answer that question best that I can within the half an hour, 45 minutes that people will tolerate for a podcast. So I literally, I could talk about product development for like 10 years straight. But uh, if I can't answer it, I'll bring on one of my friends. I'll, I'll bring on somebody from the collective, from my network, and they'll answer that question in depth, you know, from their perspective, different perspective, different person. And uh, I'm just trying to add value to what you're trying to do because as much of a kick as I get out of having an idea and bringing it into reality and seeing my own products be made and be sold, kind of, I, I get the same kick, but like on a, like a scale level of seeing other people do it as well. So, you know, seeing uh, somebody that I've coached or somebody that I've hung out with or, you know, shared a meal with, launch on Kickstarter. Like, uh, you know, I, I've got a nice little collection behind me of different products of, you know, f- of friends and associates. I just get a kick out of it. And I mean, that's why I'm doing this. So like, if you have a challenge that if I could answer a question for you and that would take the shackles off, it would enable you to launch your product, it would enable you to change your life or change your community, ask that question. It's not a stupid question. It's not an unanswerable question. The world is big. And I've probably already answered that question a million times, like inside of a side of a, you know, speaking engagement or inside of an incubator or whatever. And I'd be happy to do a show on it, but that's why I do this. Cause I, I mean, I seriously, I get a, a huge kick out of it, but that's it for today. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate you. Once again, please share this out. If you got a little piece of value out of this, do me a solid, share it out. My name is Callie Keen and this has been End Hype. Thank you for listening to the End Hype Podcast. Follow Callie on social at Callie Keen to stay up to date with a bunch of free content and information. Change your life and change the world. End Hype.